Hey, what's up? Mr. Bill here. Before you listen to this podcast, just wanted to plug my dates. I'm doing January 24th in Detroit, 25th in Phoenix, 31st in Denver, and February 1st in Orlando. Remember to rate, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcast app or whatever podcast app you're listening to on. And I just put a new EP out. You can go check that out at belegalbeats.com. It's called the IDM EP, and it is... It's okay. All right. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you are listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're 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 listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. so actually um these mics are designed to be handheld oh great okay yeah uh, i think it's just, it's like standard for them in the music industry to be on a stand or whatever right but the sm is a yeah the sm57 and the sm58 um they're both actually just designed to be handheld microphones huh. good to know um yeah i should introduce yeah th- thanks for coming on the podcast man thanks for having me this is uh episode 18 of the mr bill podcast at this point pretty much what i do is i just this and then i just talk to someone for like an hour that's sweet and and just talk about literally anything there's no like agenda i'm not trying to like i don't know because I, I figured are you like trying to, are you gonna ask some gotcha questions <laughs> so i don't have any questions is the thing oh, okay yeah, that, that's the trick <laughs> amazing yeah, that's how I like a podcast. I think it's best that way. Like, I, I prefer. Um, I mean, I like some podcasts that are really overly produced and heavily thought out. Like, there's this mm-hmm. one called Reply All, which is sort yeah, of. Yeah, like, I love that one. Yeah, dude, it's so sick, and it, and it's it's basically like journalism, right? Mm-hmm. And it's pretty much like a story, like a really well thought out like newspaper article or documentary, but just in mm-hmm. audio format, which is sick. But then I also like stuff like all the comedians basically now. Oh, yeah, have podcasts true, yeah. like joe, obviously joe rogan's like the biggest one mm-hmm. and there's like you know the theo von podcast is sick bert kreischer has one tom segura has one and i'm pretty sure they don't plan their podcasts at all they just like hit record and start talking and it's usually fairly interesting feels like a good way to do it yeah i mean that's the way i like to do it <laughs> um it's less work you know? <laughs> <laughs> and is it on like all the to podcast places yeah yeah so it'll be on like apple podcasts and Stitcher. wait is this part of the podcast me asking questions about how podcasting works <laughs> yeah this will be this is it we're doing it <laughs> amazing okay so this is why i don't need questions this is right this is content. primo material yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know i don't i don't think it's the worst idea to just like explain what the podcast is on the podcast anyway i feel like sometimes sure. with art it's good to like explain to the listener how to enjoy the art right before <laughs> like they try to or something yeah yeah that i feel like that can help too with like the thing that comes to mind with that is like you're, you're trying to show somebody your music and then you're like yeah for this song like lay down and turn off the lights and listen to it <laughs> or like mm. you know what i mean like to give them a bit of a bit of concept or context i think that's true that does kind of Right, yeah. It's like if you take, um, for instance, we're just talking about Rob Klaus stuff, yeah. and you try and like stack in between like two huge dubstep DJs on like, <laughs> you know, the EDC lineup or something. Right. Pretty sure it's going to get lost on everyone there. Yeah. But if you like, you know, put that music in like a nice AV performance context in like the right club, 
maybe as a tipper after party or something like that, then like, you know, it's all contextualized to where the whole crowd is going to get it. And it's like, you know. I, w- I wonder about that sometimes, like, like so- sometimes I'll get booked for shows and th- definitely there's sometimes where I feel like I'm like, does this, does this person that just booked me know anything about my music? Cause they like, yeah. <laughs> you know, they get me to open for somebody who's more of a bass heavy person or, or like, for a super chill party and i'm like well it doesn't really work it's gonna be hard for me to make it work there too like well i think you have a really uh, unique style like it's it's kind of both heavy and soft at the same time and it's like i don't know i feel like i used to get stuck in that camp a lot as well yeah where it was like my music wouldn't really fit at any specific event really Mm -hmm. um except maybe like festivals because sort of everything works at festivals Yeah, yeah depending on the time of day and stuff like that but then I just started making pretty much dubstep. I think I, did we talk about that? Like maybe doing a collab about like, or maybe I didn't ask you that yet, but I would like to ask you that. We can do that off the air. <laughs> I mean, we can but anyways, I've been thinking about, um, I've been thinking a lot about making like a, an EP of just like stuff that's more obviously like bass heavy dance music. Right. I don't know, if, like neuro or mm-hmm. dubstep or whatever, like yeah, just something that would kind of that. fit in that genre a little bit better because i feel like i mean i like that kind of music it's a bit of a guilty pleasure for me but i i do really like that kind of music and i feel like it would be really a fun challenge for me to try and figure out how to do that so i've been asking a couple different because i feel like it's something that i still don't know that much about so it'd be a lot better to get like some good collabs (laughs) yeah so honestly man i find a lot of idm people and a lot of glitch producers and people who produce like you know, more heady genres sort of look down on EDM production. They're like, oh, it's whatever. It's so simple. And like, you know, they're they're very reductive about it, but it's fucking hard, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's what I've, yeah. I mean, I've tried a million times to make, my favorite thing that I always go back to is like, is drum and bass. Like Mm. I've, I always, every couple, every month or every couple months, I'll go back and like, just try to make it just a normal drum and bass song. And I fucking, I've been trying to do it for 10 years. Can't, I still haven't been able to nail it. Like it's, I just can't it's make tough, a good yeah. drum and bass song. Yeah. Well, I mean, so you need a few things. Like you obviously need to be really good at production. You need to have mm. sick sound design. Yeah. You need to be really good at mix downs. Like, especially with something as fast tempo as drum and bass. Like you can't slack on like any side chaining or anything. Cause yeah. like everything needs to get out of the way of everything else. Or it's not ever going to be as loud as it needs to be to be competitive with other drum and bass. Right, right, right. Um, and then on top of that, you also need like incredible amounts of restraint because you can't overcomplicate it because then it's not drum and bass anymore. Yeah. And then on top of that, you need to figure out how to make it interesting. Yeah. With yeah, that this. like getting a really nice, interesting, simple hook is like is so it it's it's really fucking hard. And it's yeah. something that like sometimes it'll just kind of come up out of nowhere where you're like, oh, actually, if I just loop this bit, that sounds really wicked and and I can kind of roll with that. But but yeah, or sometimes you're like, oh, this really works. And then you listen to it the next day. Or even like, sometimes I'll like finish a track, be like, yeah, that that's a really good hook. That's going to really work. And then I'll come back to it like a week later and be like, what? I thought this track had a hook. What, where was it? <laughs> <laughs> right. And then you're like, oh, shit, it's just another meandering glitch. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think like, yeah, I know what you mean. I think um, it's, it's interesting. There is this sort of like competitiveness between... Or, com- or like looking down, mutually looking down on, well, also like, well, whatever, between like people who make IDM or or more heady stuff, and then people who do the opposite. 
and but uh, yeah most of the time it's like the was you, that dunning kruger thing of like you know you don't know enough to know that you can't that you don't know how to do it you know well the dunning kruger effect is like um things that are easy for you you think are easy for everybody and things that you're really bad at you think everyone else is bad at and you're good at. Oh, I thought it was the thing of like overestimating your abilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Okay. So like driving, for instance, is like a good example. <laughs> right. Like everyone thinks they're a great driver and everyone, <laughs> thinks, and everyone thinks everyone else on the road is like a fucking idiot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one always cracks me up. That actually, so we were just talking about like how I'm from Calgary and I like everybody it's like a very common conversation to have, which is so fucking boring in Calgary to like people talk about how shitty other drivers are. And, and it's really funny because there was this show of like worst drivers in the world or something. And then like, like almost all the, the people were from Calgary. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) It was really funny. (laughs) So there's this thing in Australia where, um, everyone thinks, well, I mean, there's a bunch of shit in Australia. That's just ass backwards. Like in terms of, how how people think they're like i think australia is really bad at casual racism and sexism mm-hmm. so like <laughs> my whole childhood growing up i'd hear like all the older males like uh you know my father and his friends and like just anyone who was like an older male subject was always like oh fucking women drivers suck and asian drivers suck mm. but then i've like been to asia and they're pretty insane drivers yeah, they're not I mean, drive, yeah. <laughs> yeah especially if you go somewhere like india where like there's just a million cars on the road and honking your horn there means something completely different. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't mean like you've wronged me and fuck you. It means like I'm coming like move, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is fucking crazy. I, remember, I can't remember where I was. I think it was in Morocco or something. And I was at, I was get I was in a taxi or something and I was asking like, how, how does it like, cause I was like, I don't really see any road signs. Like, how does it work? And he's like, you just look and then you just don't hit other people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're like, oh, sick. Oh, okay. <laughs> Makes yeah. sense. So I think, yeah, um, I guess when self-driving cars become a thing, they'll remove all like signs and lights and shit, right? And that'll be interesting. Because, yeah, like, yeah, I guess so. Like traffic lights are literally just for humans. Right, yeah. To be like, this means don't go. <laughs> right. And this means do go. Do you think it will eventually? I guess that's the kind of the goal is because human drivers cause a lot of fatalities and accidents and shit. So like the goal would be to replace human drivers entirely. But I, I feel like it, it'll be a similar thing to agriculture where everyone will be like, yeah, but you know, I like hunting. And it's like, yeah, but if you don't have to, it right. opens up millions of hours of time for the entirety right. of society and we can work on other shit like you yeah, know, going yeah. to space and shit. And I feel like it's True. the same with driving. It's like... A lot of people will be like, yeah, but I, I like driving. I want to drive. It's like, yeah, but if you just remove it, you'll have so much more time to just <laughs> yeah. do other things. And, and <laughs> There's definitely more fun things to do. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the meta of life will just change. Yeah, true. That's in, I, I'm really hoping that we see like a big, honestly, I'm really hoping that we see like a big advancement in like automation and AI and stuff within our lifetimes. Because if I fucking die before that happens, I'm going to be really pissed off. <laughs> Speaking of um, <laughs> machine learning and AI hmm. and... All that kind of stuff. How do you feel about that stuff within the context of music? I'm into it. I like. I'm actually working on a project with this guy uh, who goes under the name Montreal Life Support, and we made this project where we built these like three mechanized cellos, like cellos with these machines on them to like press the frets or pre- no, not the frets, but press the strings and play the bows and stuff. And and we wrote an AI to like pick what notes and chords and stuff to play. 
it's did the AI still in like a really rudimentary phase. That part's kind of more my, he's, he's more of a, uh, the mechanical side, the robotic side, and I'm more on the AI side. And, um, I, I love the idea of like AI and music. And I think like, I mean, it, it's, I, I don't know, like it, it, it brings up an interesting question. Like, is it possible to make an AI so good that it's indistinguishable from human, from a human making music? And then, and if it is, and it's, and, and then if on top of that, the AI is able, is able to write new music that, and make its own sort of innovations based on like a, uh, you know, a generate, a generative process, like, yeah, then what is the role of humans in music? And then, and it, so that kind of brings up an interesting question of like, why, why do we make music and, and what's the point of music? And, um, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm really excited about it. I think it's really interesting, but, um, have you tried like Google Magenta? Like uh, a, no, I think I've heard about it. So yeah, so Google is working on a project to like make AI music. And I think like in a lot of ways it can be super helpful. Like I, for example, I don't really like writing music for advertisements or whatever, or like, I don't really like writing background music or whatever. And Is I that think something that, that you do a lot of, or? I've done enough of it to know that I really don't like it. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, that, and that can kind of go away, you know, like, I don't think, I think that it's, I, well, and maybe I'm just kind of a snob about it, but like, I think like, the the best use of humans in music is like you're writing some music that's like really supposed to be kind of the center of attention or something that's really like communicating something that isn't like just a, a fill in mm-hmm. like something that is a lot more of like reflective of a personal journey or something and it's part right, of like a then, larger concept or something yeah but then isn't like that subjective and in that case like if you had a machine like an ai that was mm-hmm. able to generate music then the role of humans in music would just be to make a decision on like what that is <laughs> yeah so actually that's really interesting that reminds me of i went to go see uh tim hecker give a talk in calgary a long time ago dude that guy's music is so sick yeah yeah i love his stuff and uh i got to meet him actually when i played in san francisco for me nice. uh, and yeah he's a super nice guy too Fuck yeah. um uh what was i gonna say though yeah so he gave this talk and he was talking about how he names his tracks and how he organizes like his albums, like how he puts the albums together. And he was saying, basically he makes a bunch of stuff and then he takes a break from it. And then he like tries to listen to it just as a listener. And then he makes the decisions about what the tracks are about and what, and what they're, what they should be called and which ones should go with which ones purely as like on the listening side. And he kind of talked about how listening to music is kind of its own art form, like creating that understanding and narrative of it is kind of its own its own creative thing so from that perspective like yeah i think you're right there's there's totally like you know when you listen to something you could for sure listen to some ai stuff and be like okay what does this mean to me personally mm-hmm. and when you listen to human music <laughs> yeah, yeah you also kind of have that feeling of like what does this song feel like it means to me well, what it's is also it like when you're doing a shit? collab right 
when you're collaborating with somebody else like they might be in the driver's seat using ableton and you might be like sitting back Mm -hmm. but like they will they will do some things and you'll be like oh you should like keep that and like put it over there or something like that you know i feel like if an ai was generating music it wouldn't stop me from having those thoughts like i would still be like oh man like take that thing (laughs) so it's like then the role would just sort of be like this thing's just generating shit and i maybe just like intervening here and there to like impart my decisions on it yeah 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 there's lots of different ways where ai could be involved in the process one is like more sort of as a tool or like like i mean fruity loops has had that thing in it for a long time that like riff generator or whatever right just like it you can give it some parameters and it'll just come up with a little random melody or rhythm or whatever um and that's kind of yeah the idea behind that is like it's just supposed to kind of get your creative juices flowing right and then you kind of take it from there so I think there's for sure that's been going on and and that is an AI in a way. It's not like a neural network, but it's a different type of, it's an old style kind of AI. Um, and, but yeah, I think like that, that can be a lot more advanced in with like, uh, with the new types of AI. Um, but then, then there's like the other side of it, which is like talking about AI making music all by itself with no human input. Well, because it has to have some like it has to train on something right yeah it needs like to learn based on yeah. other shit so it knows like what the goal like it figures the goal out and stuff like that right right which, i mean which is the same as humans like humans have to learn some other shit before they start right. kind of making their own shit mm-hmm. they hear and even if you had no musical training and you grew up in a fucking biodome or whatever can i swear on this podcast oh yeah okay great um <laughs> do whatever you want and uh he out of the you grow up in a biodome, no contact with other music or whatever. You, you still hear things, right? And that's going to inform your your what you think sounds good. Yeah, you'll have like some environmental influence right, exactly, of some sort right? or whatever. You, so the, you will have way, a human experience of to some degree. Yeah. And, and so in that way, like making neural networks is sort of like like simulating that that process of like what what's this AI going to like grow up listening to, you know? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, I, it's interesting. So that, actually, that kind of brings me back to the cello thing that I was telling you about that um, that project. Because we initially were sort of thinking like, oh, let's just take a bunch of classical music and train it on that. Or like, we were like, kind of, how are we going to train it? Because we didn't want it to just make like regular classical music. And then we kind of had this idea, well, like, if it's going to be our project, maybe we should train it on our own music, right? But neural nets need a lot of data to learn from. So we started just like writing a shitload of like 16 bar patterns with the goal of getting it to like generate a 16 bar pattern as like a starting point. And that's still where we're at is like trying to get You're it to generate. still trying to create a, all the data for it. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Just trying to get it to generate a decent 16 bar pattern. It's like it's getting there. It's getting there's some like kind of interesting stuff so far. We're so using the 16 bar patterns you're writing because it's a cello it can't mm. obviously do like drums and stuff like that so you, are you just writing melodic content for now yeah okay now this so we did like a week of or we did two weeks of shows um uh, during no november i think so you like two of these cellos we're going well yeah that's the plan yeah crazy um but we did two weeks of shows in at the sat uh the the, like a the dome projection stage. Oh, thing. what does SAT stand for? Société des Arts Technique or something like that, like Technical Arts Society of Technical Arts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the, this guy hit me up on Instagram earlier today, mm-hmm. saying that he works there, and he was like, "Oh, you should uh, come." Who by. was it? Was it Murad? 
I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know a bunch of the guys that work there. Nice. Yeah, That's we awesome. should. We, it'd be cool to pop by there. Yeah, I'd love to check that place out. I don't know if anyone's there now, but. So you've done a bunch of stuff there. That's where you did like the big dome AV show thing. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That was crazy. That thing looked insane. Yeah, that was a really fun project. Um, yeah. So one, one of the other things that you were saying before about how Tim Hecker like picks and chooses his music on mm-hmm. albums, I've kind of had that experience before with my music. And I feel like the reason why um, it's important for me to wait a long time before listening to it and then deciding what tracks will go with what mm-hmm. is because I seem to put a lot of value on the tracks that I know had more effort go into them yeah (laughs) and and i have this like on a smaller scale too when i'm writing music like if i spend an hour on a snare drum or something like that i'll be like oh man like i have to use that snare now like even if i could pick one from splice sounds and drag it in and it's clearly a better choice of a snare i like won't because i spent so much longer on this like other snare drum i had had this friend who said that like he needs to put a certain he like he doesn't feel feel like a track is done until he's put a certain enough like a certain amount of di- like of blood, sweat, and tears into it. And like, what and is he, that amount? So he's been working on the same like short, like seven track album. Or not short, well, not short, but like the same seven track album for the last, like for the whole time that I've known him. So like four, three, four years or something. Wow. Is it a sick album? <laughs> it's changed so much. Like <laughs> several iterations of it were fucking sick, but wow. I don't know where it's at now. <laughs> like, <laughs> Dude, that's fucked. But yeah, it's like, you just like, I remember when I started, I had the opposite problem of like, I would never spend more than a day on a track. <laughs> I was just like, it's good. It's done. I can't was, go back to it. Yeah. What was your like theory there? No theory. I was just having fun. So, okay. Yeah. Um, and then I remember I dated this girl and she was like, I just wonder what would happen if you like spend a little bit more time on this song. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a similar experience. Like when I was younger, I would just like pump out music mm. super fast. And I had a bunch of friends tell me that. They're like, oh, yeah, I wonder what would happen if you just spent like, you know, a week on a song or two weeks on a song. It'd yeah. probably be really good. <laughs> and then, I don't know, like I found what I would do then is I would just finish the track in a day and then just sit around for a week sort of thinking about it. <laughs> I feel like at least the initial like chunk of, of the track usually happens pretty quick. Yeah, true. Yeah. And then it's like everything else from there is just like little details or like rewriting sections or something like that. We've had conversations about this before. I think well so that I think that's one of the things where like like you know the some of the music that I write is that really like techie edity stuff. And a lot of that takes just a certain amount of like manual labor of like and and I find it I haven't hit that point of like I assume it's sort of like a bell curve where like there's this kind of optimal amount of time where you put into it and then it starts starts to like it just start the track just starts changing or, or there's just diminishing same. returns on like how many more edits are actually going to make it sound yeah. any more technical or better yeah right uh but yeah but I I I haven't I haven't even found I don't feel like I've found that top part yet to be honest like um I find like with some of the stuff on dragged um like empty for example that track it, it took me like a month of like eight hours a day or something just doing like the little twitchy edits and stuff and i still like still near the end of it i was like oh, i could change this or change that but then eventually i was kind of like it's 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 there like it's yeah, yeah. it's it's like there enough you know mm-hmm. um but i really i i really get kind of get off on that manual labor of just being like just add a little thing here, <laughs> just change that a little bit 
that's a lot of yeah. like fun part of making music to me is doing those little things. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I don't know if it's because of like the way that most people were brought up in Western society and like, you know, the whole working class culture thing or something. Mm. I don't know where it comes from, but there definitely is a thing. I think that's almost universal with people where they think like something that's had more effort invested into it is a better thing. Who I remember listening to something. It was another podcast that I really like that's called Seriously Wrong. I think they were talking about this. It's like the uh, Protestant work ethic or something of like, yeah, that work is supposed to be painful and unpleasant or something. And so if your work isn't painful or unpleasant, that it's like not virtuous or something. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, no, it, yeah, for sure. That's a, that's a huge thing. And it's sort of like now there's also this like workahol workaholic sort of workahol um <laughs> workaholic i love workahol <laughs> just tastes so good yeah. um you know this ethos of like you know people being like well i work this many hours well it's sort of well, i don't experience that that much because i don't work that much anymore but um <laughs> right but but yeah there's a sort of like dick measuring contest of like well i work fucking 70 hours a day or something and you're like okay you know i work 23 hours a day dude sleep for one don't eat oh, at you all sleep i work i, I just work <laughs> um I, honestly i feel like i have like a good six hours of like on a good day i have maybe eight six eight no you know honestly no honest i'm gonna be honest i was trying to fluff it up for a second there but i think like on a good day i have six hours of like really good productive like work focused I mean. work like focus good it's fucking shit, hard you know? to focus for longer than that anyway like mm. a lot of people um who ask me like how long i, I work usually like in the studio um mm. yeah my answer is usually that it's like six about six hours is like the maximum amount i can focus for mm-hmm. in the day and usually that will uh require a break in the middle too so i'll do for like sure, maybe yeah. Or maybe even two breaks. Like I'll do sort of two hours solid, then take a break, and then two hours solid, and take a break, and then two hours solid. And that's yeah. like, if I'm doing that, like that's a hard work day for me. For sure, yeah. yeah. But th- there's definitely stuff that you can do. Like, and and it's honestly because like not every day am I able to like even crunch out that six hours of like truly productive work. But when you think about like a normal work work day at like an office or whatever, you're not fucking productive the whole time. Like let's get no. real. Like yeah. a lot of that time, you're just kind of whatever just passing the time yeah you're just like over near the water machine or something yeah or finding some small task that like you could just kind of plow through a couple hours for um and so i try to do that stuff with making music too of like some tasks i know are like a lot less effort so if i'm not having a good music writing day then i'll do i don't know some i'll set up some generative sound design process or something and then just kind of like let that run like supervise you know yeah yeah, yeah. or like Um, organize your files yeah some shit like that yeah so how um yeah i guess one thing i wanted to talk about as well is like the fact that you kind of almost it seemed like pivoted at some point in your music career from just like writing music to almost just making tool like music writing tools like it it seemed like Hmm. one day you were releasing albums and eps and shit on enigmatic records and then the next like year or something you were just like releasing reactor patches and then max patches and now (laughs) you're doing like all this ai stuff um well so i've always been interested in that stuff too like so i went i went to school for new media art and a lot of that stuff was was like trying to yeah, I mean, I I remember I, even back then I was I was trying to write generative music. I made like a generative album or something when I was n- uh, nineteen or something. It was fucking garbage, but I made one <laughs> nice. in like pure data or something. 
And uh, yeah, I've always been super interested in that. I've always been interested in like making my own like controllers and stuff. I've been doing that since like, since university. And uh, it's just like, it wasn't a huge part of this, like the Wolg project, or maybe it, it just wasn't a very visible part of it. Um, and then there was this big shift when like, I, I, I took a little bit of a break from pure data. I wasn't using it as much after I got out of college and I was doing some other programming work also. And then when I, I remember I like, I, I tried out reactor and I was like, Oh, this actually, this, it, it reminded me so much of PD, but like an easy and like working version of PD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, so that I got super into that really fast. And then I kind of hit this wall of like, okay, I made all this stuff that I kind of have been thinking about making in the back of my head for a long time. It was fun. And then, and then I was like, oh, maybe I should, maybe I should take another try at Max because I had like tried it before. There's some key differences between PD and Max that um, were throwing me off a lot. Then after messing around with Reactor, I was like, oh yeah, let me try Max. And then I tried Max again and I was like, holy shit, it finally like, I really got it. And I was like, oh my God, this is so much easier than using fucking pure data. And like, in some ways a lot more useful than than reactor was oh well, yeah because it's like fully integrated with live and you can mm -hmm. do a lot of visual stuff with it too right yeah. no. <laughs> you can you can if you want to suffer like <laughs> yeah right with like jitter or whatever yeah yeah, yeah yeah right i did i used jitter for one live show when i played at mutech um montreal last year i think or yeah last year i did or i guess it's the year before now because we passed one um, and do, do you do any like um like do you write any scripting languages like JavaScript or anything like that? I I know a little bit of JavaScript, um, but then I used like processing and stuff for a long time. My girlfriend this week just started getting into Max, mm -hmm. and she was like, "Oh, sweet! You can just make this object called JS, whatever the fuck, yeah, yeah, and yeah, just yeah. write JavaScript in there." And she's yeah, like, yeah. "Sweet!" So she was like, "I don't even need to learn <laughs> Max because she already knows JavaScript." So yeah, yeah. She just started writing a thing to do something in Ableton. I think what she was trying to do was make a script so that you can click a button and it can take like whatever audio you have selected, solo the channel create a new channel, record the audio down to that channel, and then put that audio inside a sampler on a new channel and then create a MIDI Sweet. clip with a... And did you do it? She got like halfway there. That's amazing. Yeah. That... Just with JavaScript, like literally just with like a bang button attached to a JavaScript <laughs> mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember when I found that object, I was kind of like, oh, okay, this is how you could do a lot of the stuff that would be a pain in the ass. Like, for example making like a for loop or something in in max is a pain in the ass a you for can, loop what's that it's like um say like for this amount of um repetitions do this particular process and then you can and you start it up with like an index value so you say like okay for the index value named i so it's kind of like follow actions but for a process yeah, I, I guess you could say that. It's like that's a, a perfect analogy, but it's like kind of, yeah. Okay. You you basically just say, so, so if you need to do a process a bunch of times, like say you say, say you have to like, like a really straightforward one is like, say you have um, a really long list and you want, and you want to have a random number in like as the second value in this list, right? So you have your index number one or zero or whatever, and then a random number one, a random number two, a random number right? So you would set up like 
a for loop and say for every index number, generate a random number and put it into this array. Mm-hmm. So in that way, yeah, kind of like follow action, but right. follow action has some other shit in it too, I think. I f- so I started getting into Python like a tiny bit a mm-hmm. few weeks, uh, maybe a month or two ago. And I like instantly just got frustrated and basically stopped <laughs> fucking with it. Mostly because like, um, I don't know, like I was, yeah, I don't know. I just got frustrated, but basically like I was trying to learn it for things like this because i was like i want to clean up my hard drive so i basically wanted to rename shitloads of files yeah. in certain ways and stuff like that that's a really dangerous first project but yeah you could totally do that <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah totally. you can really fuck yourself over with that yeah just like accidentally rename like all your system files to like, <laughs> to like the same thing or something yeah. we're like yeah <laughs> yeah i i remember when i first started learning python that was my go-to also is i was like oh i'm gonna do some like like clean up some folder shit mm-hmm. um but then i quickly realized like how with a couple s- small spelling mistakes you could make some serious damage yeah, and i was like ah you know what maybe i'll just <laughs> do it by hand <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah python sweet so python's what we're writing all the the ai stuff for in this one all that we, cool. and by writing all the ai stuff i mean like making very small changes because like the ai to like shit that other people have written and then the rest of it is just like integrating the, the input or the the output into uh, into Max. So mo- um, most of the Python library stuff is just stuff from GitHub and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Because like, so it, a lot of the times people will write like a really good um, kind of like a really good architecture for how the neural net is supposed to be. And there's a lot of crazy tools that like stack on top of each other that make that process even easier. But usually someone will have one that like works basically. And then they have, I think they're called hyperparameters or something. You basically get like a series of things that you can tweak, like the number of layers, the number of, um, I don't know, like the, for example, for a text generating one, like how many words behind the current word are we like going to remember when we're generating the next word? Mm-hmm. It's like little parameters like that. And that really makes a big difference on like how well the network learns and how well it's able to like generate new output. Um, so that's most of what we've been playing with. Um, I'm actually not, well, we're not even fucking around with like actual music generating ones, which I think we should eventually, but we haven't done because like a lot of them, I don't know, right off the bat, I was kind of like, I don't want to do like the standard approach to it is like just read raw MIDI files and then just pump out raw MIDI files. But there's so many, potential notes and and stuff and it just feels like really noisy shitty data when really a lot of music kind of follows the same rules well a lot of it like unless you get super techie then it's going to start breaking a bunch of those rules and stuff but like for basic things like for our thing we're just trying to write chord progressions right so i just have this thing where um i pick like the root note i pick the mode I don't even pick the key because I you can just like pitch it up and down later, and then I pick the uh, the chord voicing, which I just made a list of chord voicings, and then with those three parameters, you just pick one of those every time step, or decide not to pick it or whatever. So there's your rhythm and your and your harmony kind of or your chords sort of like set up. So then we just wrote a bunch of stuff in that format, uh, and then train the network on that. And then the and then when the network outputs that, then I have like a reverse process for that max patch so that 
it can go from that into making chords. Mm-hmm. It's like actually spitting out MIDI. Nice. And so like, and it just simplifies the idea of like writing chord progression. So it's actually kind of helped me a lot because I like learned a bunch of music theory to do that because I didn't know jack shit about music theory mm-hmm. before like last year, <laughs> basically. So my, my theory on music theory, mm-hmm. like my, my idea about it <clears throat> is it's like, not that useful for writing music. Yeah. No, but I, no. <laughs> I think it's good for like justifying pre-written music. You know, mm. like it's good. If It's good as like maybe an analysis tool. If you like listen to something, you're like, why does that make me feel this emotion? And then mm. like analyzing it using music theory and then maybe applying some of that to your music or whatever. But it can help a little bit when you get stuck. But yeah, generally it's like it kind of helps. Um, Like I find it helps me a little bit when I um, it, it helps me in the same way that like those oblique strategy cards would help me. You know, did, did you see those Brian Eno oblique strategy cards where it's like a, it's sort of like a, like a, <laughs> it's like, like a, a weird... fortune cookie would help me, you know? Right. Yeah. You're like you see the fortune cookie and you're like, Oh, okay. And then you decide if you want to do that or not, or you decide right. if that's going to apply to your life and, and in what yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. And so the same thing, like you can like listen to a track that you made and be like, Oh, the, like, you know, this makes me think like, what if I tried, um, I don't know, switching modes or something right in the middle of this or doing some other weird. Yeah. Like shape. just gives you another technical tool to be able to pull out or something. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not, yeah. I like, like it, you know, like knowing audio theory might give you the idea to be like, what if I stack a bunch of all pass filters and tune them to like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. So th- that's the only way that I've found that it's, but it, the point of music theory is to be descriptive, not prescriptive mm-hmm. anyways, from what I understand. So yeah, yeah like that follows right. with what you were saying. Yeah. 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 Totally. Um, do you want to talk about your leg thing? Cause I feel like that's pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So yeah, I mean, let's, so I don't know. I was like, I follow you on Instagram and then yeah. one day I just started seeing like a bunch of brutal photos of you in hospital with like <laughs> stitches all in your leg and stuff like that. Yeah. And you um, told me you got like some flesh eating disease or something. Yeah. That's what I, I got flesh eating disease, that's which fucked. is uh, the technical term is necrotizing fasciitis. And I guess it's the second deadliest infection other than Ebola. Fuck. So I was really lucky oh, not shit. to die. Um, and it's like pretty random, like how you get it. I, I actually don't know how I got it in the end. Like, and it's pretty rare it too, right? Yeah. It's, it's really rare. And, um, but I guess there was this kind of like epidemic, well, like this is small spike in Montreal at that time. Um, but yeah, and it spreads really, really fast. So like, so I, I had it in my leg and basically my, my leg hurt a little bit one day and then the next day it hurt more. And then the third day I was in a lot of pain and I went to the hospital and they couldn't figure out what it was for a little bit. And then finally they did figure it. They put me through it cat scan or some oh, like, like the mri machine something like that the Whatever. thing that makes yeah, all the crazy noises yeah <laughs> yeah it's basically like a giant fucking camera pretty much yeah, yeah. so they put me through there and then at, right after that they took me to uh like a quarantine sort of room and then they did a biopsy and they didn't even have enough time to like close the biopsy site so they like just cut a bit and then they like took some sample from there and they didn't even have enough time to like close the biopsy site. They were just like, okay, we're taking you to the operating room. And there was somebody in there and they kicked them out. And then, oh, yeah. 
Like somebody getting another surgery? Yeah. And like, uh, was it a serious surgery? <laughs> I don't I don't remember at that point. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you're just um, like, at that point, they'd put you on a bunch of drugs and stuff. But yeah, it, it hurt a lot. Like, I, yeah, it, that's by far the most pain I've ever been in. in my like life. them cutting you open was like a relief or something? It, it, I just didn't really register. <laughs> like right. that's, yeah. Like you, you didn't register because you're in so much pain? Yeah, them cutting me open. I was just kind of like, it's that. It just wasn't a big. I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, like I hurt that much. Then. No, it doesn't matter. Like there's already enough pain, and like, right. yeah. Anyways, and then, um, but yeah. So then they put me under, and then they cut like basically the whole back of my calf, like my whole calf off, basically, Ugh. like from, yeah, all of this back here, um, the yeah, kind of the whole calf muscle, and then, um, and then they sewed me up, and then a couple of days later. Um, I started like throwing up pink foam or something. Oh shit! And then so they rushed me back down, and then they cut me open, and then I thought I was fine. And then a couple of days later, I started getting really sick again. And then I think that was the time that um, I yeah, I was like, I, I think like I'm 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 feeling really really sick. And then the nurse that I had went to his superior or whatever, and he was like, hey, this guy's like, we got to take him back to the OR. And his superior was like, nah, he'll be fine. And so he went over that guy's head and it turned out that it had, came, like it, it, they hadn't got it all when they cut it out. Because they have to cut it out because antibiotic, like it makes like a barrier around itself of like dead cells. So antibiotics in your blood like can't get to it. Fuck. So yeah. the only way is to like physically remove it. Yeah, you you have to cut it out. Fuck. And, and it's hard to know that you got it all. So that's why they had to do it like thrice. <laughs> they had to cut your calf off three times yeah so they like cut a little bit and then they cut a bigger bit and then they cut fucking all of it Fuck. and then yeah and then um it, it grew back um <laughs> nice and then and yeah so i was in the hospital for like a month wait so if, if you cut your calf muscle off it grows back yeah dude what it's, yeah it's not the muscle it was like the the fascia the what it looked like was that they cut the whole back of my fucking leg off. Right, right. Um, <laughs> and they were basically like, That's if fucked. you had come in here like an hour later, we would have had to cut like your whole leg off. Holy fuck. Like from the top. Oh my God. And then they said, if you came in a day later, you just would have been dead. Like you probably wouldn't have survived. Holy So it was fuck. really lucky. Dude. Yeah. It was really crazy. That's anyway, so like a month later, I got out of the hospital, started partying again. <laughs> <laughs> I did go to a couple parties actually, but I still didn't have any skin on the back of my leg. And I had to carry around this machine that was supposed to like suck the extra juices out of my wound so that, because a wound's supposed to be the right mix of like wet and dry uh, for it to heal properly. And then, uh, and then they scheduled me for like a skin, skin graft. So they were, they took the leg, for, the skin from my thigh and put it on the back of my leg. Um, but then it, there wasn't an opening in the, in that surgeon schedule or something. And then, so the, the flesh on the back of my leg started growing too much. So they had to start like burning it back with chemicals every day. <laughs> it was a horror. Like the whole thing was like such a horror. And then when it finally, like they got the skin graft on there, I went on tour in Japan, like right after that, Japan and China. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, just it like swole up a bunch on the plane. And I was like, you're gonna fucking die. Like I had pretty, not, super bad ptsd but i definitely did have some ptsd from that whole experience yeah no shit. doubt man it's and when I, I broke my i broke my one of my toes in uh, this fall and going back to the hospital like even just for because it was like not a big deal like i could have 
if I didn't do anything, it would have been fine. Yeah, but, yeah. But um, dude, breaking your toe really hurts, though. It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I broke a toe um, <clears throat> at the start of it was basically a year ago today because I did it right after Nam last year. Yeah. Basically, I like came home after Nam. Went and uh, kicked my coffee table, broke my toe, and then I was like, fuck, fuck I just want to go to like, like, I went to the hospital just mm. to make sure there was like no crumbly bits, basically. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they were like, they gave me the x ray and they were like, yep, your toe's broken. And I was like, yep, pretty sure I knew that. <laughs> and, then, and then they were like, all you can do is tape it to the toe next to it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's called buddy taping. <laughs> Literally. They were just like, yeah, you just, you just do that now for like yeah. three months. Yeah. Mine sucked because it broke a little bit below the actual, like, the joint that like attaches it to the rest of your foot. Uh, it's a bad place to break it. Yeah. It sucked. So I did have like a, it's called like an air cast uh, and it's just this like plastic a, thing that you like a boot thing or yeah yeah well i had to wear a boot thing too and it's like fuck this seems so excessive for a it's, broken toe yeah. <laughs> i was kind of embarrassed to wear that thing but at the same time it's like whatever i wanted to heal yeah exactly i still want to be a foot model eventually <laughs> <laughs> yeah go look after the money makers yeah know? exactly <laughs> that's my fallback plan <laughs> Yeah, fuck. So when when you're in Asia, it just like healed and was fine. Yeah, sort of. Like it, it, it yeah. It was like it was fine before I left, but it took a little while to like just totally chill. like I I got all the staples out and stuff. Like after the skin graft, they put like some fifty or sixty staples. Like I saw that picture on Instagram. <laughs> that was rough. It's yeah, fucking brutal, man. It's There's like so many of those rough pictures that we didn't even post it. Like the the really gruesome ones oh yeah there was one that we posted that was really gruesome but it's like so heavily pixelated it's the girl i was seeing at the time she um her phone was really fucked up and she took a bunch of pictures with her phone but her phone just would compress the videos for some reason down at this like 24 by 24 pixel resolution or something nice (laughs) (laughs) so you have a bunch of these really grainy photos but it is funny like that's the crazy thing like the whole time i was in the hospital i was in such a good mood yeah, I saw some videos of you and you like, like you seem pretty happy. I was having a really fun time. Like it was like I had this really great room and where I had this giant like floor to ceiling windows and the sunset would come into that room every, like and it was fucking this beautiful like tangerine color for like a long time every night. It was summer so I like just go out and smoke in front of the thing in front of the the hospital and that I actually liked the food at the hospital. I didn't mind it like at all. Nice. Some of it was gross, but most of it was fine. And like all the nurses were super nice and stuff. Like I had just started seeing this girl right when I ended up in the hospital. Like we started dating while I was in the hospital because we were like, oh, damn. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She just, you know, she just started coming to see me every day. Mm -hmm. Like we had been like kind of hanging out a little bit before that. And then she started coming to see me every day when I was in the hospital. And then we were like, (laughs) a little while into it, you're like, do you want to be my girlfriend? (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So yeah, it sounds like there was like a bunch of positives yeah, at the same time as this. Like, time, yeah. At the same time as like getting your whole <laughs> half your leg removed. You're just like all this other yeah, sick like shit. Almost going. dying several times in a row. <laughs> yeah. That's so fucked. <laughs> That's brutal, dude. Well, um, yeah. and and you don't know how you got it in the end. No, not really. It's like it's pretty random. Like you because you come in through like though? any small cut. And it's like, and sure. he, so, you know, um, like sort uh, strep throat. Yep. It's, that's the same bacteria. It just sometimes it like mutates and oh, then fuck. it turns into that. 
Oh shit! And just like almost kills you instead of just being a sore throat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's fucking bizarre. Very strange. Yeah, health shit is so weird, man. Yeah, it's, biology is super weird. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I had Ill Gates on the podcast last week, mm. and he was saying, um, <clears throat> this guy got him into a festival to like hang out with Apex Twin and stuff, and he was hanging out with this dude called Sid, who's like this crazy biologist who lives in the Bay, and I've met him a few times, and mm. apparently he's like some. Uh, he goes to like Japan all the time and he's just like some insanely like genius biologist. And apparently he like had this binder full of like biology notes and just like <laughs> photos and shit. And he was like showing them to Aphex Twin. And then like after the fact, he was like, do you think he thought it was sick? Like, <laughs> and he was like, no, dude, he probably didn't understand like any of it. <laughs> he's like, you're a genius biologist. And he's like a fucking music producer. <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> i love that shit uh, the, his overarching point was that like it's just weird that people sometimes look up to djs who are big as like a, a source of authority or something yeah 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 <laughs> and they're like yeah well, just like that they're good at everything that they know everything yeah, yeah, about like, everything like dave, I, dave Chappelle has this great bit about that like after 9 11 or something they were like they were like ah oh, you know this is a time of tragedy for our nation and blah 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 and then um, uh, so we've got Ja Rule on the phone. He's <laughs> like, I don't want to hear from Ja right now. It's <laughs> like, Ja, what, what should we do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. He's like, who the fuck cares what Ja Rule thinks at a time like this? <laughs> I mean, to, <laughs> to some degree, um, it may just be because like a lot of musicians, especially people like Ja Rule and you know, rappers and stuff like that, they just front really heavily as someone who's got everything figured out. Yeah. So it's kind of like, oh, let's go ask that guy yeah. who's got all the shit figured out. <laughs> <laughs> he's got every. He, he always talks about having his shit figured out. <laughs> let's ask him Let's about, do things now. <laughs> yeah, let's ask him about like the most complex problem ever. <laughs> See if he can <laughs> and now for peace in the Middle East, we've got Ja Rule on the phone. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, actually... Um, I, I need to take a little bathroom break in a second, but I wanted to ask you, have, do you know about this Jacob Collier guy? Yeah, so I've seen him live in Denver. Oh, crazy. He's awesome. It's like a crazy multi-instrumentalist. He's insane. Really good singer. I really don't like his music, but his it, the technical shit is like unreal. Why, why don't you like his music? It's just not my type. I don't really like that kind of like jazzy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's cool. It's really interesting music. Um, it's but I can't listen to it for more than like a couple songs without wanting to throw up. <laughs> yeah, but it's like yeah, really incredible. Some of the stuff, and I like listen to a bunch of his talks and stuff. It's yeah, he's a really good musician. Yeah, there's a video online of of him and Herbie Hancock like hanging out together, talking mm. about jazz and stuff like that. And um, is that the 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 Herbie Hancock one? Is that the one that like he explains a musical concept to all these different levels of musicians? Like, yeah, he and then, like, like the last person he explains it's, it to is Herbie, Herbie Hancock. Hancock. Yeah, and he's like, "Why are you fucking explaining this to Herbie Hancock?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was really funny. I started watching that, and I just listened, and I was like, "Why the fuck am I watching this? This is so not <laughs> interesting to me." And then like months and months later, I kind of heard about him finally and listened to his music, and I was like, "Oh," but I still. I haven't gone back to watch that particular one, but. <laughs> right. So, um, his 
live performance was pretty crazy. He was like playing the audience basically like a giant drum machine. What? <clears throat> he like split the audience up into like three or five parts or whatever. And he was like, all right, you guys are going to make this sound like boom. And then you guys are going to go ch and no. you guys are going to go cut. And then he was like, boom, and like whole sections of the audience were like doing this. And then he get them like doing a beat and then just start like fucking hammering on the piano and shit. It was pretty sick. That's incredible. Yeah. I saw some little clips from his video and from his live shows and I was like, yeah. So his setup is like basically about the size of this room. It's like a bunch of instruments, including Mm. like a grand piano, which like, so maybe a little larger than this room, but Mm. like. It's like a grand piano and then like I think a keyboard and then like a a double bass and then a microphone and then like a couple other things. Like he just has a Mm. bunch of instruments around him and he literally is like running from instrument to instrument, (laughs) like going nuts on one and then running to another one, going nuts on that and then running back to the first one and doing like the thing again. And like, yeah, it's pretty insane. For sure. I'm like a little bit jealous of him. Like he's like a fucking genius he's how is well, he, he's 24 like, or something he's pretty young so he's he's a good performer but also i think he's just like found his thing you know like exactly yeah and i think a lot of the the problem especially with electronic musicians mm. is when you go into the live performance realm it's just difficult to like find what it is that you have to be doing on stage to be a comfortable yeah and you know be awesome like you know people will be in awe of what you're doing yeah yeah um some people just find that in DJing, like you know, they're they're yeah, really true, comfortable yeah. with it. They're doing really crazy shit on the decks. They're like really good at it. Mm. They were passionate enough about it in the first place to do it enough to get that good, and like et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So it's kind of like, um, I think it's just difficult as a an electronic musician to find what that is. Whereas you know, someone like Jacob Collier is like, I just really like playing instruments and I'm really good at it. So I'll yeah. just do that in front of people, and then they'll be like impressed. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah. Whereas like I think a lot of the stuff that you do in electronic music. It gets lost on people. Like, for instance, one of the things you did mm. was you turned your trackpad into like a multi-finger controller, pretty much, right? Mm. Like, we split the trackpad up into like what five vertical columns or something, mm. and then they're basically yeah. like faders on your trackpad, which is fucking sick. And then you were using like an accelerometer attached to your laptop to twist your laptop around mm. to control things too. But that is instantly going to get lost on most people because it's like, yeah. for starters, they can't see what you're doing because you're like mostly crouch behind your laptop and if they're like you know 50 feet back they're yeah, instantly yeah. not gonna see that wait for smaller shows it's a lot easier yeah yeah exactly but um it doesn't scale well it, does, <laughs> it really doesn't scale well yeah. <laughs> I, um although when you pick your laptop up and start waving it around people are generally sort of like what's that and then you, mm-hmm. like that's why usually for that part i'll map something really fucking obvious mm-hmm. to the oh, yeah. to the tilt like of the laptop like sometimes or... i'll just do like a low pass filter yeah, yeah. So then i pick mm-hmm. it up and then i'm like at like a, an appropriate time for a low pass filter. Right. And uh and then people are like, "Oh, I think I get it." <laughs> yeah. So Ankle Pants does the same thing, but he does it with his whole body, so when he leans over, <laughs> that's cool. It low passes and when he stands up, it, <laughs> it doesn't low pass. That's yeah. one of the trickiest things I found with electronic music performances to try and somehow figure out a way to communicate what you're doing and what the sound is, is that's right. being affected whilst you know using a laptop and a controller or whatever right. i've pretty much like rescinded all the way back to just djing off my laptop at this point and i literally just like usb into the mixer mm-hmm. and then just use four channels uh, oh, and then just nice. yeah. play a bunch of tunes pretty much you can kind of go either way like i think i've kind of gotten to this point too of just being like i'm just gonna play the way that i like to play and the, the way that i like to play is that laptop thing it's because that's kind of my instrument now mm-hmm. like 
it's yeah there's a bunch of different modes that i set up for the trackpad there's a bunch of different modes for the keyboard also where it can be like faders or or it can be a xy pad or it can be individual buttons and then the buttons can be like shift buttons for other buttons blah 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 so you can have like key combos and stuff um so there's like a lot of potential there and that's just like the way that i like to play now so whether it scales not or whether it scales well or not like i'm still going to play that way because that's how i like it you right, know yeah. you could scale it by like putting a gopro yeah game. or something i don't i just don't i don't think i care enough to do that like i'm kind right. of like i think you're more people. interested in like doing like i'm i'm doing a lot more of my own visuals and lighting and stuff now yeah and well so, that's yeah that's the thing is like once you scale an electronic music show up that big anyway the person on stage becomes trivial because they become a tiny little silhouette in front of like giant LED walls and a yeah. shitload of lights. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, doesn't matter who the you Just put your hands up every once yeah, in a exactly. while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and just having like really tight AV like links and stuff like that, I think really goes a long way too. And are you, are you doing all the data sending for the AV stuff out of Ableton using Max? Or? Yeah. Okay. Um, so actually now what I usually do is I do a MIDI bus. So, because Max, or excuse me, Ableton will drop uh, OSC messages, I think, if it gets overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And I usually push the CPU pretty hard. So, but it won't drop MIDI messages. So I'll run Max as like a separate instance. And then, or I'll just send MIDI directly to Touch Designer. Right. And are you running Touch on the same computer you're playing off? I do now, yeah. Because oh, I have that other, that kind of bigger computer. Like using a desktop live? Mm -hmm. Crazy. Ma'am. How do you tour with that? Just like a Pelican case? It's small. The oh, okay. desktop is small and then I backline the monitor and keyboard. Nice. Although I brought, so like when I played a Tipper and Friends, I brought my own keyboard because I wanted to smash the keyboard at the end of my set. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> it was it was really fun. Because um, th there's this kind of like moment of catharsis at the end of that set where it just like builds up and builds up and then just turns into this wall of fucking noise at the end. And then at the end of it, it just cuts to like a sine tone at, I don't know, like 25 hertz or something, just super, super fucking loud. And then it, that's the mo moment where I like, I like turn the light on really loud or bright, like the backlight really bright. And then I just smash my keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, like taking rock and roll vibes. Yeah. Like yeah. Music. <laughs> I usually like on that one too, I'll like get up on the, t on whatever table I'm playing on and then, and and like just kind of, you know, do a little more of a show out of it. Right. Um, very EDM. Yeah, it's very like, yeah. In the IDM. Well, you know what though? Like it's, it's interesting to me because I really go back and forth between this idea that like if you're performing electronic music, I mean, the idea with like DJing at the beginning was just sort of like there's somebody who has really good music taste that's standing by the turntable. So right. they're going to pick the, the music, right? Yeah. And then it kind of became like its own, you know, like rock and roll guitar sort of thing. Yeah, it became a little bit about the skill, like who can beat match the best and like yeah. who can beat match the most tunes the fastest and stuff like that. Yeah, but whenever it gets into that dick measuring contest shit, it's like you got to pull back from that. And yeah, I think yeah. that that's kind of, I found myself going in that direction of like, but I still really like, for me, the the visual of like somebody smashing their guitar on stage is really satisfying. And to like kind of put a little cyberpunk twist on it of like smashing right. a keyboard or something. Like, so one of the bonuses of doing that at, at Tipper and Friends was that like a bunch of people in the front rows like caught different 
keyboard keys. <laughs> and so they were like posting on Instagram, like, oh, I caught your blah, 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 this key. And then there was all this stuff too, like I found on Reddit, people being like, did he smash his laptop? Or like, did he smash his, uh, you know what I mean? Like, so it created this nice little people like experience. Yeah. Totally. Gets people talking and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I love that kind of stuff. I'm kind of interested in, in like performance art in that way too. Mm-hmm. I feel like noise music is that way a lot. It's like, for sure. Yeah. Kind of mostly about, like watching it live rather than mm-hmm. you know like i can't see myself like sitting around at home listening to you know justice <laughs> yeldum or something like that yeah, yeah that guy have, you know this guy justice yeldum he plays a sheet of glass with a contact mic on it oh, and then he has like a belt of guitar effects oh, and, that's um, nice. basically he sets only last like 10 minutes because like by that point he's like eating the glass and like <laughs> breaking it over his head and shit and it's like yeah and at the end he just like smashes it and he's all bleeding and shit it's like i could watch a set like that and it'd probably make me feel really uncomfortable but i'd probably appreciate it a lot more than listening to that set at home oh, you know, for sure. without yeah, seeing yeah. all of that attached to it yeah i just feel like this is a fucking bunch of noise i think a lot of those noise sets are also that length where it's like a 10 minute set or 10 15 minute set or something yeah well i mean because by the that point they've destroyed their gear or like <laughs> yeah destroyed themselves or like both <laughs> or just it's to just you know where do you go from noise you know yeah it's like no way to like really build up from there and create a journey <laughs> i went to go see um you know hitori tori it's uh, like a it japanese guy. noise or no he's like a breakcore guy from vancouver <laughs> oh, okay. um but yeah. i went to go see him play when i was in vancouver and he also did like a short i think it was like a 30 minute set but it was so crazy high energy like um just like really super fast, like intense break chord, but like the kind of like you could dance to it. You just had to dance really fast. (laughs) And it was a really nice, it was a really nice experience to, it was kind of like a punk set, like punk sets aren't usually that long either. Yeah. True. They're like 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, exactly. It takes them so long to set up their gear. So (laughs) (laughs) really the set's like 45 minutes. (laughs) They just need a lot of like breakdown and change over time between the band before them and them and then their pack down time in the next band yeah yeah. so you end up with like these huge chunks of like just house music playing in between the <laughs> the bands right i haven't been to like a punk show in a long time but i used to go to metal shows a lot when i was younger because uh-huh. i was like in metal bands plus all my friends were in metal bands plus i just liked metal <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and um yeah i would notice that's basically how the shows would go whereas like with djing i kind of like that there's no real breaks in a show it's like just yeah. music for like eight hours or whatever I, I really like that especially when it gets into the festival territory where it's like just music for fucking five days yeah. you know <laughs> it's just there's like, something about that that's really satisfying yeah you, you just come when you want and there will be music like, yeah. happening <laughs> well it's, it creates this nice dynamic of like it kind of reminds me a little bit of acid too whereas i remember the first time i did acid i was like oh it's like mushrooms but like you have enough time to like take a break if you need to and just like relax. And like, you don't have to like figure out this giant, you know, like this, all this secrets of the universe are being revealed to you, but you don't have right. to like deal with it right away. You can just <laughs> spend a little time like I, eating some watermelon or something yeah, and yeah, go back yeah. to it. And like this, I have the same vibe from festivals where it's like, you know, you don't have to party super hard the whole time. You can just go and then you can rest. You can eat some canned soup and then you can mm-hmm. chill out a bit and then you can party some more. And, but you, and there's no schedule, you know, you can party whenever you want to. Yeah, yeah, I kind of like that too. I will say though, between acid and mushrooms, I'm definitely more of a mushroom fan. Yeah, yeah. I well, I don't either anymore, but I yeah. like the fact that they don't last as long. Uh-huh. For me, acid is like it's cool for like a few hours, and then it's like, all right, let's wrap this shit up, and then, <laughs> and then like twelve hours later, you're still like, why did I take super meth? <laughs> 
and like now i can't sleep for two days <laughs> yeah i li- i don't know i i like that it lasts a long time i d- i actually found that when i was when i was younger when i was taking my mushrooms more often i was always like oh, why does it have to end already like i was kind of just getting into it and i remember the first mm-hmm. time i did acid like the first hour i was like i don't know if i really felt like doing that i don't know why i'm doing this and then an hour li- like a- an hour in i was like oh no yeah this is gonna be fun and then like five hours in i'm like fuck it's still going like okay cool <laughs> this is great like perfect you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then you got a little bit of time for it to like slowly wear off and stuff. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I like that pacing. It's hard to schedule mm. that in your life. It it's is. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing. It's like, it's like when are you gonna? When do you have that time to just like? <laughs> yeah, you need like a solid day where you're just not doing anything. Yeah. Did you hear about that guy, um, Doc Ellis? He's like a baseball player, and he he had a day where he thought he wasn't doing anything, and he ate acid. And he was a professional baseball player. And they're like, no, man, you got a game today. And, <laughs> and he went and played the game. And he, he, uh, what's it called when you throw the ball? Bowling or pitching? He, pitching, pitching. pitching. he pitched a no hitter, meaning like no ball that he threw whilst blasted on acid anybody Get was able to hit out. yeah and he was like yeah i could like see grid lines and shit and he was like i could he was like my metal was like so deep that i could tell like fake outs that i was doing were like gonna like they were gonna know that it was a fake out so then i just wouldn't that time or whatever oh my god <laughs> he was just like yeah man i could <laughs> so he was like blasted on acid at home and just like oh shit i gotta go play a professional game of baseball <laughs> oh my god i can't imagine yeah um cool well, i mean we can probably wrap this we've been talking for like 66 minutes it's perfect i also really need to go to the bathroom yeah and we can <laughs> Lines up. we can go get far and stuff like that sick sick yeah i appreciate it thanks you for having on, me man. on man yeah cheers i really dude. appreciate it thank you thank you for listening to the mr bill podcast thank you for listening to the mr bill podcast